Welcome to Splinters, courtesy of The Bench, your Friday night sports fix. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, my name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan. Great to have your company once again on a Tuesday night for another episode of Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM, on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and at podcasts.com later. This is a live edition from the Triple H FM studios on Tuesday night, the 27th of August. So the podcast edition will be heard on podcasts.com at approximately 10pm Australian Eastern Time, Tuesday night, August the 27th. And after that, wherever you pick up your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, etc. Well, it's that time of the year once again. Finals time. The New South Wales Rugby League final series is just about upon us. The final round of regular home and away season play takes place on the weekend of August 31, September 1. And then it's down to finals football. The road to Bankwest Stadium and Leichhardt Oval. We'll be saying a bit about that later in the program. But let's concentrate on the main New South Wales Rugby League competition. The Canterbury Cup, formerly known as the New South Wales Cup, in the first half of the program. An exciting final series awaits us. So, at the start of the year, if you remember, in an earlier edition of Splinters, we spoke with two men that are across both competitions. So it was only fair that we bring them back now that the finals are upon us. The first of those gentlemen is a well-known broadcaster, started cutting his teeth at Triple HFM many moons ago. He's looking forward to being part of another final series at Steel Sports. He's a current director of the Newtown Jets Rugby League Football Club. Albie Tallarico is his name, and we're great to have him online on the remote bench, getting the splinters out of the you-know-where on this edition of Splinters. Hello and welcome again, Albie. Thanks for having me, Sultan. Indeed, a pleasure to have you. Let's get stuck straight down to business there is a little bit of a question mark as this episode of Splinters goes to air about the last place in the Canterbury Cup top eight. The first seven uh, spots have been run and won and secured. The last place down between the Wentworthville Magpies and over the page to the uh, New Zealand Warriors. It's currently sitting with the Wentworthville Magpies. They sit uh, with a much better for and against, however... If the New Zealand Warriors in that final game can rack up a big score against the eliminated Western Suburbs Magpies, it will come down to the last match of the regular home and away season for South Sydney and the Wentworthville Magpies at Redfern Oval on Saturday, August 31. So let's talk about the top four firstly, Albie, and your thoughts on each of these finalists and how they've got there and where they can go. South Sydney lead the competition. They've had a tremendous season on 30 points. They had that great start with the three home games at Redfern, which they won. And since then, they haven't looked back. Basically, they laid the the foundations of their success on those first three matches. And the fact that they were back at their spiritual home, and I know it's a sponsored uh, particular ground now, but Redfern Oval. They were back where, you know, they've had so much success over the years. And it seems that the people have come back with them. And you and I have called a couple of games there. And we were there when they played St. George, in, in, in which was the flag and the main game of the Canterbury Cup were just an exciting afternoon of rugby league. But the thing about the Rabbitohs is that for their first year back in this competition, 
they have taken all before them. And I would think that it would be unfair if they weren't minor premiers. However, we'll know a little bit more come this coming Saturday and probably we'll know uh, after the full-time bell between Canterbury and St George out there at Belmore Sports Ground. Rabbitohs, I really have enjoyed uh, watching them, and I know you have as well, especially with Big Tom Amone, who's led them from the front. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, the revelation has been um, Matthew Johnson, Jack. Uh, I met Jack many, many years ago when he was a young fellow, and he's a tall, lanky, rangy style of a uh, Peter Wynn, Graham Wynn style of a second-row lock, even though his natural position was 5'8". They've got him in that uh, back row position at the moment. He's not the biggest bloke in the world, but because of his wiriness, he really knows how to get the guys. And they've won two games on the bell, but those sort of things give you the momentum to keep you going, and that's what's happened with the Rabbitohs. The other thing that's been in South's favour has been a constant, continual run of players with no injuries above them in the NRL and beneath them in the flag. So they've managed to get a spine of Billy Britton, Dean Hawkins, Connor Tracy, Corey Allen at the back, and then Johns and another famous surname and Bailey soon in the back row. They will need that continuity going through the pressure of being the hunted rather than the hunters in the finals. Well, I don't think there'll be. I think there'll be a lot of people singing "Run Rabbit, Run Rabbit, Run Run Run" uh, come this uh, come this Saturday out there at Redfern Oval. You know, they're just an exciting side to watch. I mean, it, something something warms you when you go out to Redfern Oval. I can't tell you what it is. I'm not a South fan by any realms of the imagination whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, they were my arch enemy back back in the 1980s because they always seemed to have the wood on St George. But saying that, it's just great when they're back in because their people bring something. And it's something that, that you don't get at these big star stadiums. They, they bring such a commitment, such a love to their game that, they, you know, they... A thousand people turn up and watch a flag match. I mean, you'd almost have to say they're close to the Collingwood of the NRL. That's a big call. Let's have a look at St George Illawarra, who are in the top four. They've had a very good season uh, by their uh, standards in this competition, not so much in the NRL. Uh, That's another story for another episode of Splinters, perhaps. But the Dragons in this Canterbury Cup competition are poised to strike. They sit in second place may finish first, depending on results in the last round. But interestingly, with Matt Dufty coming back into the side alongside Jai Field, with Tristan Saylor expected to return during the finals, and then the likes of the experience of Darren Nichols, who's played at any number of clubs at this level of the game, as well as Mitch Allgood, they have to be very much respected, considering that the strike power that Saylor is injection back into the back line may very well give this Dragon side. Oh, you know, the Dragons side under under the auspices of their coach, uh, Matthew Head. Now, we've been following Matthew's career for quite a number of years. He was uh, out there at Balmain for a while. He took them to a premiership, the SG Ball uh, side, many, many years ago. And he's been a part of the St. George system. And his astuteness with these guys coming through has been nothing short of amazing. St. George has had a horrible year in the top grade. We all know that. But he's managed to keep these young guys focused by the realms of the fact that if they're doing bad up the top, well, you've got an opportunity that you may be able to live through. Charlie Runciman, Stephen Masters, and, and Lachlan Miranda, they've just been three or three names that you can you can definitely put in your black book for NRL futures in the next one to two years. The big name that everyone talks about is Lachlan Tim. 
Unfortunately, he is off contract at the end of this year, but I'm hearing whispers that he may make his debut with St. George this week, so there could be some late changes there. The other guy, of course, the one that I think really laid the foundation for them has been Reese Robson, their hooker. I've seen him a number of occasions. He's speed out of acting half. He's very, very good, and he's not afraid to tackle the big blokes. What do you make of Canterbury Bankstown? They're sitting inside the top four. For mine, they've had an up-and-down season. They've played some absolute shockers and won. They've played well on other occasions and have been beaten. But they've got enough quality in their side with Ockenbore on a wing, the Marshkey twins, who we at Triple H are very close to for other reasons, Bronson Garlic, Tower Matafa at fullback. If it all clicks for them, the defending premiers are still a massive shout to go back-to-back. Well, they are the Smokies in the top four. I know that we could talk about South and St George, but Canterbury, I mean, they, they won it last year for a reason. They, were, they just were the better side on the day by far, and it pains me to say it, you know, as I'm very close to New Zealand. But Canterbury, you know, no one's talking about them, and that always worries me. When, when nobody talks about a side, you know that they offer something, that they're scared of them. You know, the Bronx and Garlic, and it's great to hear that name again in the rugby league, uh, in the rugby league as well. Uh, which is fantastic because his father, as we know, was a great champion. But take nothing away again. Like one part of the uh, the uh, Marshkey twins, Benny Marshkey and Ofami Ogden, well, you know, when they leave from the front, Fermanu Brown has good NRL experience and I think deserves to be in the top grade. I've always liked uh, New Brown. He's a terrific fellow. Um, and he what he what he offers uh, will make it very interesting on Saturday. This is, this is going to be a very exciting game out there at Belmore. It certainly will, and will decide perhaps positions uh, the final makeup of one to four, or at least one to three. Now, the North Sydney Bears, with that big win over Penrith in the second last round of the competition, earned their way back into the top four at the critical time of the season. A lot of people have been waiting for the Bears to get back and go deep into the Canterbury Cup slash New South Wales Cup finals for a number of years now, but with uh, the likes of Billy Smith perhaps returning back from the Roosters for the finals. Drew Hutchison back in the halves after Brock Lamb went to the London Broncos. Lachlan Lamb at 5'8". And a hard-working pack. The nouse of Jason Taylor, who has been often criticised in the past. The Bears, if they can hang on to that fourth position, could also have a big say in this final series. Without question. I think Jason Taylor's done very well with North Sydney this year. Um, it was an interesting marriage to start out with, North and, and East. But they've managed to somehow keep that foundation together. And the fact that Taylor uh, was a part of the Rooster system, understands their coaching system, was a champion out at North Sydney, very well regarded and very well respected is a great thing. And you're right when you talk about Lachlan Lamb and Drew Hutchinson, form five, eight and a half back in the competition. Drew's got to be the tallest halfback I've ever met in my life. I mean, the guy's almost six foot, if not more. Uh, but he manages to throw some great long balls. He's up against Sam Williams this week. This is a, another big game. On the flip of a coin, at home, I'm just probably going to go with Mounties. And I think that they are the ones that are going to end up in the top four and not, not North. Well, that's a big call because you've got to consider the Penrith Panthers, who will have, who were going to have the last shot at a spot in the top four on the final regular home and away season match against the Blacktown Workers Seagulls. They have been consistent and regular finalists at this level. They've won the New South Wales Cup and the Second Division uh, Championship against the Queensland Cup Premiers in recent years. But their form has been inconsistent alongside 
the inconsistency of their NRL team this year. Matt Burton has been a revelation, uh, not only for the one first grade game he played in the NRL, but the fact that he's been able to steer this side around the park for most of the year. They've got the experience of Sam McKendry and Frank Winterstein in the pack and some class and speed out wide. If they even finish in the bottom half of the eight, they may still need to be respected given the pedigree they have at the back end of the season in this competition. Oh, without a doubt. I, I haven't seen a lot of Penrith, but what I've seen I've been really impressed with. You know, say what you will about you know Gus Gould and the way of creating legacies and five year plans and whatever you want to call it. Some of the kids that they've been able to identify, and not just in that Penrith um, A-grade competition, that's still one of the biggest nurseries uh, in New South Wales, but they've gone far and wide. You know, they've recruited these kids from, from Dubbo and a long round through Orange. They're really... Uh, really engaging with those people. And let's not forget their association out there at Bathurst. And they've got these great kids that are coming through. And that, I think, is to me, is is a great semblance of, of what it needs to be a successful rugby league club. You know, the old saying is, you don't go to a barrel to get the best apples, you go to the tree. And that's what they're literally doing. They're going out to the car. And these guys know how to work. Why? Because they've got to work when they get up in the morning. To go train, it's not like when you're in the city, and you and I, you, you both know this as well as I do, of course, is that, you, you know, 20 minutes, we complain when we go, these guys travel an hour to train back and forth when they're living out in the country. Well, Matt Burton is a case in point. Matt Burton is a case in point, isn't he? He's a, a yeah. country product. He's made Dubbo every poster winner, a Dubbo boy, and he is a key factor for Penrith now in this Canterbury Cup final series. Oh, you know, and, and it's just, and what they bring what they bring is their ethic. The number one thing is they bring their hard work ethic. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, how can one player make a difference? If they see this fellow that's come all the way from Dubbo, done the hard yards, have a player's lift. And it's not that they, what they say. They probably don't say a hell of a lot. I, I mean, I know the Yo family quite well. I don't think they'd say three words in, in anything. But what they do say, you listen. And they lead by example. And those country boys, they've either worked on the farms or, you know, they, they've come from areas that... that when they talk about struggling at the moment, they do struggle, as you well know. But they come out and they bring this ethic to rugby league and it lifts all these other guys and they go, you know what, if he can do it, then I've got to do it. And I've got to, I've got to do those extra 1%. Penrith, Penrith, I put them in my black book because I get the funny feeling they're going to be playing off for a grand final spot. We'll come to your prediction for possible grand finalists uh, a little bit later. But you mentioned Mounties. A lot of the availability or lack of up the line with the Canberra Raiders, who they feed into, has dictated the way their season has gone. But ominously, they're starting to find some form at the back end. I was very impressed with their win over Canterbury-Bankstown in a match that we sort of called, but didn't call for other reasons, on Triple H and Steel Sports at Leibart Field in a television match a fortnight ago. And they've used that win to propel themselves into a winning streak of three right at the right time of the season. And any side that has the class of Sam Williams, who was perhaps a level above at this level of the game, feeding the experience of Michael Oldfield and Tony Satini at the back, and the hard work of Ruben Porter, the Turkish international Emre Gula, and the explosiveness of Royce Hunt off the interchange bench, has to be respected. Although their record in the biggest of dancers, grand finals, is not the best in recent years. No, they, they sometimes, when they get to that uh, grand final or the big dance, um, they go wandering. And that's a bit of a problem for Mounties, and that's something that they need to look at. But when you put Sam Williams in a side, and you're right, he's above this level. 
he's as good as most halfbacks in the NRL, and he's tried everything he possibly can. Unfortunately for him, Canberra are just going great guns, and Ricky's got them on fire, and I think it's great for rugby league, the Canberra and the Viking Club, and their association with Mountains, which isn't too far down the road for them, I think is a really good, it's a good synergy, um, and because Mounties, they're, they're great rugby league people. They just love the game, and uh, they do a lot to promote the game out there, and they get all these great kids coming through. But when you've got, let's not forget the uh, Brendan O'Hagan at 5'8". He stays up and he controls the other side of the field along with Williams. But the one guy I love watching is Tom Starling. He's one of these players that can tackle, run from acting half. He's got a little bit of pace about him. Not afraid of a Barney, uh, but he can get the ball out to the backs pretty quickly. That is tough. He's a guy that you'd have to put a circle around coming this Saturday. Yeah, If you shut him down, Norse will win this one if, if that's the case. Okay, uh, let's then have a look at the club closest to your heart. And you want to talk about Smokies every year. In all these competitions, there is a Smokie from the bottom half of the eight that does damage in the playoffs, that has people looking over their shoulders. And for mine, from a neutral's perspective this year, now that Newtown have managed to work their way into the eight and secured their place in the finals with their big win over Western Suburbs, in the second last round in a, tele- in a pay television match at Henson Park. They're the team, they're the smoky from the bottom half of the eight this year. Remember, they were last on the table after three or after six weeks of the competition and their season looked to be gone. But the wily old fox, Greg Madison, has managed to get this side firing. Jack A. Williams, grandson of the late, great Reg Gasnier, has grown into the role at 5'8", alongside Braden Trindle. They've got the experience of Greg Eastwood coming in off the bench in the twilight of his career. And they've got some speed out wide. And they also have the most hardcore supporter group in any team of the Canterbury Cup. And that's why they are a team to be feared, the side that no one wants to play Newtown in the first or second week of the finals. No, you're right. You mentioned Greg Eastwood. Put a circle around Toby Rudolph. He absolutely killed them on Saturday. His stats were simply amazing. He was signed by Cronulla last year from Redcliffe. He was the Queensland Cup, one of the Queensland Cup players of the year a few years ago. And they signed him out of Redcliffe. Takes one step down at Shark Park and, and causes himself an injury out for 12 months. Finally, he's back on the field. So they've got to work with him. He's a young bloke, but he is gargantuan. Put a circle around him. He could be a point of difference off the interchange bench. Greg Eastwood's lost a few kilos. The difference between Newtown winning and losing is the completion rate. Now, everyone likes to throw the ball around, but as soon as Newtown decide to throw it around and drop it, that's the end of it. Their heads go down and they lose their confidence. And the difference that we've worked out is something like 4 or 5% if that. And that's what they did on Saturday. They held the ball, and usually when they get in front, they, they relax. But this time on Saturday... Newtown were the first to score in the second half, and they held on to their lead. West did, you know, were admirable in their defeat, but Newtown had it all over them uh, on Saturday. This match against Newcastle is going to be very, very interesting. It's not going to be a, a lay-down there by any means of the imagination. And regardless of where, where sides are coming on the ladder, Newcastle turn up and play Newtown. I don't know what it is, and I don't know why it is, but they always come and have a crack. Now, they've got Kyle Flanagan as being out. There could be a change, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I'd like to think that they'll go in there with Jack A. Williams, and uh, I really love watching Braden Trindle. He's got the exuberance. He's got the speed and the agility. We've just got to get him a little bit more matured. But you watch this kid. He is going to be on fire. If he gets into the right place at the right time, 
and Newtown can get that roll on like they know they can do. And like you've said, they're going to well support and everything like that. He could be the X Factor. It is still the New South Wales Rugby League's dream for a North Sydney Newtown grand final. We'll come to that very shortly. Now, Wentworth Phil sit in eighth spot. They've got the last place in the eight. There's a lot of sentiment around them because we know that they will not be back in the Canterbury Cup next year as Wentworth Phil Parramatta are stepping up in their own right to play in the Canterbury Cup. There's massive question marks about whether Wentworth Phil will even field aside in the uh, Canterbury Cup next year. They're having problems finding an NRL feeder club to join up with. That's a debate for another day. But right now, with Reese Davies and Will Smith in the halves, Tim Manor on the verge of retirement, playing out his career, his storied career, in the front row at the Wentworthville Magpies. And the most experienced coach of them all, Rip Taylor, at the helm. If they can scrape into eighth, they may fluke a win or two. They just may. I, I, I can't see there being any changes on the ladder. I, I don't think that... I think that differentials is way too much. And I, and I do believe that... I think that uh, regardless of if the Warriors win, um, the Magpies can still lose, but the differential is, is, is 37 points. So the Warriors would have to absolutely give it to the Magpies. Uh, at, and it's an early kickoff, isn't it? 10.15 our time. Correct. In New Zealand time. So we'll know that outcome by a quarter past 12, half past 12 on Saturday afternoon as we go to where a little bit later on, around 2 o'clock. But I can't see there being any changes. I just think the differential is a little bit too much. And we'll talk about the Magpies in a minute. But um, I feel that Wenty will be there. And you're right when it comes to Wiley, blokes. I mean, he's a guy that was a coach of Wyong. Now, when they didn't have a partner, they made the top eight. And they really shook the crap out of the tree, didn't they? And he took these bunch of blokes and you know they you know they ran it on the smell of an oily rag but talk about community in rugby league you know he had Magnus Stronquist and other great players that were coming through there O'Mealy was playing his last season with one and somehow they managed to make the eight without any NRL assistance now I don't know about you but that's a massive effort he's had a lot of assistance the last couple of years when the Roosters were a part of the team unfortunately for them they decided to leave the Roosters and Rip still wanted to coach and still thinks he's got something to offer Ends up out of Wentworthville, and he's a Wendy boy. He's a good old-fashioned uh, uh, halfback 580. He played out for Wentworthville many, many years ago, so he knows the area. He knows the people very well. So he's driving back and forth from the Central Coast three to four times a week, uh, which I think is great commitment by him on on his behalf. Uh, and he's you know managed to keep these guys. And I think the fact that there's a little bit of emotion, you, you put the you put the circle around Wentworth and you think, geez, who are they going to face off in the first week? Well, we'll talk about that again in a, in a minute or so. But just sensational, is it, when you think about what they can offer? Um, and you're right about the wiliness of good old uh, Rip Daly. And he, and he gives as good as he gets. He doesn't like what you say in the commentary. He listens. He'll give it to you. Don't worry about that. He's not afraid. But uh, Will Smith and Reese Davis are the, are the two keys there by... And, uh, no realms of the imagination. They're five, eight and a half back, and they've had that combination all year, almost. The one guy I've always had a lot of time with, and I know you've interviewed him on a number of times, and he's a terrific guy, is Matt McCurick, uh, one of one of rugby league's nice guys, and he he just tries his damnedest out. And sometimes he doesn't doesn't quite get there, but he's as good as. But sometimes you know he's taken different paths in life, and now he's out at Wenty but he gives 110% regardless of what jersey he is. He's had a lot of clubs, Matt McKilrick, and he could be a factor if when he make it. Quickly, the other four teams that we know three of them haven't made it, the New Zealand Warriors have the faint hope 
They've had a disappointing season. They've missed Mason Lino more than probably even they've imagined. Mm. And then you look at Western Suburbs, injuries and unavailabilities have dragged them down, uh, as well as players going off to the English Super League. It hasn't helped Brett Hodgson. Newcastle, um, well, their performance in the Canterbury Cup has pretty much reflected what's gone on behind the scenes in that club over the last three and a half months. It's only starting to reach the surface now. They've done well to even get as close to the final eight as they did. And the Blacktown Workers Seagulls have all of a sudden been the banana skin for a lot of sides at the back end of the season now that they've managed to get Tony Williams back, Lloyd Perrett back, some size in the forwards, and Kane Elging in the halves, but far too late for them to make a finals impression. So that takes us to week one, Campbelltown Stadium. Then it's week two at Leichhardt Oval. Week three... At the home of football, Coggera's Jubilee Oval. And, <laughs> and then we go to Bankwest Stadium for the grand final on Sunday, September 29th. You will hear a majority of matches in weeks two, three and four of the Canterbury Cup here on Triple HFM. And I know, Albie, you'll be calling a lot of finals action on Steel Sports, our friends over there. Now, your thoughts. It looks like, let's say, Souths versus Norths, St George Illawarra versus Canterbury in one half of the draw and then it would be Penrith or Norths versus Wentworthville and Mounties versus Newtown in week one of the finals. There's some mouth-watering matchups there. I think that that's going to be really interesting that first week uh, of the finals. I've got a funny feeling, however, that Mounties are going to spring an upset this weekend. Don't ask me why. I just think that they're going to spring an upset. They could jump, quite possibly, to fourth place. They could jump to fourth place. And I've got a funny feeling that somewhere along the way, either in weeks one or week three, Newtown and the Bears will face off. I don't think we'll get the grand final that we want, uh, that we'd love to have. I think you'll find it'll be uh, Rabbitohs uh, up there. I, I, my heart tells me that the Jets could do it, but I've got this funny feeling it could be the Bulldogs. Well, a South Canterbury or a South Penrith grand final, maybe. I remember mm. at the start of the year we mentioned that Penrith would be up there. My yeah. gut feeling is that it could be a St. George Illawarra South Sydney Grand Final. Oh, would that be great? Well, that is something that the New South Wales Rugby League would be hoping for, to get a crowd to Bankwest Stadium for Grand Final Day on September 29th. A lot of people have raised the eyebrows about going to Bankwest Stadium, that even though it's a 30,000 capacity stadium, anything smaller than 10,000 and it, and the crowds will get lost out there. Yeah. What What are your thoughts about going to Bankwest for the next five years? I appreciate why they do it. I, I, I do get the understanding of it. You know, they want to entertain their corporates and everything like that. And I get the Parramatta is probably the, you know, almost the heart of Sydney now. And I, I, I get that as well. But this is a second-tier competition. You do want to have it on a great stage. But something showed us last year when Newtown played Canterbury and about 8,500 people came to a grand final of the second team and that has not happened in mine or yours lifetime for, uh, ever, forever. When it's standalone day and Leichhardt Oval, would those same people travel to Parramatta? And it's not that it's not great facilities, you're exactly right, it's the, it's the greatest ground that we've you know, set eyes upon. We've both been there. It's a beautiful ground to either watch football, call football, and I'm sure for the players to play football. But sometimes there are some things that you have in tradition. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that they should have left it at Leichhardt Oval um, for the simple reason that it's a great ground. It covers, it ticks all the boxes, but it also adds that hill. And I think that's what people scream out for. The reason why Newtown got 
over 9,000 people. They beat their record a few weeks ago for the Beer, Food and Footy Festival Day is people got their patch of grass. And that's what people want when they... It takes them back in the memory. So with the South of the place of George at Leichhardt Oval, I, they cracked the 10,000 mark without a question of a doubt. Out of Parramatta, maybe five, maybe. Well, let's see what happens. It'll be an intriguing final series. Time is on the wing. We do have to move on. It's great to speak with you once again, Albie Tallarico. We can catch your commentaries on steelsports.com.au. You might be able to even pick up this podcast on steelsports.com.au later tonight, Tuesday night, the 27th of August, and then following on on Wednesday, the 28th of August and beyond. We'll be out there as well for Triple H during the final series. It's great to catch up again now, Albie Tallarico. Thanks for your time on Splinters. Thanks, mate. Indeed, we'll be back with more to talk Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield after this break on Splinters. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Good All Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Yes, welcome back to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and at podcasts.com, wherever you pick up your podcasts as well. Spotify, iTunes, tune in and all that. Time to get stuck into the second half of the New South Wales Rugby League Finals Series preview. It's not just about the Canterbury Cup. It's about the lower tier competitions, the Ron Massey Cup and the Sydney Shield. And as we discussed at the start of the year and at the start of this episode, who else but to get on than someone who's right across those competitions? He is the editor of Australia's only independent rugby league journal, Rugby League Review. You can get it at a lot of good news agents few bad Greek ones as well, and buy subscription via the website. I speak of Terry Liberopoulos, and he's now taking his place down the line on the remote bench, getting the splinters out of the you-know-where right now. Hello, Terry, and good evening. Welcome to Splinters. Hello, Tony, and hello to all the listeners. Indeed. Let's get stuck straight down to business. Firstly, your thoughts on the announcement that the Sydney Shield and Ron Massey Cup Grand Finals won't be at... Bankwest Stadium, Parramatta. When the finals draw was released last week, we find that we have a grand final weekend again and the Massey and Shield grand finals will be standalone at Leichhardt Oval on Saturday, September 28. You'll hear both of those games on Triple FM, of course. But I can't help but think, standing at the season launch in March, when the CEO, David Trotten, announced to all and sundry that all grand finals would be at Bankwest for the next five years, including Massey and Shield. And Bankwest Stadium's own press release of the time sprouted the fact that all the grand finals would be at Bankwest. We find now that's not to be the case. If I was a Ron Massey or Sydney Shield player, I'd be very disappointed. Well, I'm disappointed. I can tell you that I've been talking to a few of those players and coaches in the past week, and they are disappointed. Um, I have to say, one of them didn't even know where the grand final was going to be played, but that's another story. But they were looking forward to it. And having four games there at Banquet Stadium, I was looking forward to it. I thought it was going to be a great day, great day for 
all the grades, especially Sydney Shield and Ron Matthew, what a great way to reward them at the end of the year, playing at a great ground. A lot of the Canterbury Cup players, Jersey Fleck players, they have played at Bankwest Stadium. But Romans Cup, Sydney Shield, a different story. And for them to be told at the start of the year, that's where you're going to be playing, it was, a great, it was great news. It was fantastic news. And now to turn around and say, you know, you're going to get a light cut over, disappointing. Well, it is going to be Leichhardt Oval, and the road will start there next weekend as well. Unlike the Canterbury Cup, the top eight in both the Ron Massey and Sydney Shield have been decided. The win by the Hills District Bulls in the second last round over Western Suburbs secured the last Ron Massey Cup finals place. So let's quickly run through all of those sides as we have done the Canterbury Cup with Albie Tallarico. When you look at the Ron Massey Cup, the favourites have to be the Wentworthville Magpies. Only two losses for the year. They're going for the historic three-peat. No side has won three New South Wales senior competitions in a row since the Newtown Jets won three Metropolitan Cups in a row back in the 1990s. But with a hard core of players that have been there and done that, a coach that has done that before in Brett Cook, Bo Henry and Henry Rywalui in the halves, plenty of class out wide. Weddy are the team to beat. Yes, they are. But saying that's going to be interesting this game this weekend between Wentz and Mount is because if Wentzville lose and then Mary's win, then the Mary's could jump depending on how many how many points they they beat if they do beat um, Blacktown Workers. So it's not doesn't mean that Wentzville will look at the the points. So I think it's going to be interesting because Wentzville they struggled a couple of weeks ago. The game that you called out there at um, uh, with the with the Blacktown Workers where it was they. Well, they did have two players in because of the back end of it, and they came back. Um, Bo Henry was rested. But this game against Mounties, I think, will be crucial. Well, this is a game that will be played on Saturday, the uh, 31st of August, of course. However, um, going forward into the finals, they do have the finals experience, having won those last two grand finals. Now, St Mary's, grand finalists last year, in some aspects, they have slipped under the radar of a lot of people. Uh, new coach in Shane Elford taking over from Brad Drew, the turnover of coaches. Uh, as a manager of the Greek National Rugby League team, I'm sure you're delighted with the form of the Sakrikis brothers in the back row. Bill and George, they're warming up to the finals nicely. They can't be discounted. The experience of Jeff Daniela out wide and a number of players who played in that grand final last year. Yes, of course. And they've got a lot of um, strike power with Jake Mason. He's on 17 tries. We've got Malika Salino. He's on 13 tries. They can score points, St Mary's. And last week, they ran right against Lee Burwood, winning 66-16. Uh, it depends how they do go against Blacktown Workers and how in the lead-up to the semi-finals. But they they should be favourites to get get to the grand final with Wingwithville. That's my tip. Well, that's uh, well. You've already given us the tip for the grand final. We'll reinforce that in a moment. Now we go to Mounties. We go to the Mulga. They're a, they're the clear third pick. They will finish third no matter what happens or happened in the final round. And you know what you're going to get with the Mulga. You know you're going to get high completion rate, attention to detail, completion of chances. They have the wood over a number of sides beneath them on the table. One in particular we'll come to in a moment. And they do have the experience of Sam Duggan. But this year they found uh, a halfback in Jack Payne who's uh, been a revelation. He hasn't. And, you know, this week this week against Wentworth will be interesting. See how they go in the lead-up to the to the playoffs. Uh, Mounties, I mean, they have been 
They've been going quietly. I, I don't think they've been... Everyone's been talking more about Wentworth Bill and, and, and the Marys, even more even Asquith, but not too much with Mounties. And I think they like that. Uh, they've got the experience. Like you said, Sam Duggan, he's um, kicked a lot of goals. And then you've also got Eddie Aiano, Roman Aulo, who's been scoring tries, left one in centre. So, Tony Gaffer? Yeah, so they've, they've, got the, they've got a lot of experience there and um, they will be very difficult to beat as well. Now, let's get your thoughts on Asquith. They're very close to the Triple H footprint, of course. I fear for them. They've lost five of their last six games. Their form has clearly tapered and has dropped off. They've been unlucky in a number of their losses, but they haven't been able to win the critical key moments. They were disappointing against the Hills District Bulls in the third last round game, the round 23 game at Story Park, when the Bulls were on fire. They had a lot of players missing, admittedly. But they still were disappointing. And whilst the vibe out of Asquith has been, don't worry, it'll be right. We'll get players to come back from injury and from illness. Time's running out for them. They're going to stagger into fourth place thanks to other results going their way. And whilst it's a new competition heading into finals, more often than not, you and I have known that if you carry a form line of five losses out of six or six losses out of seven going into the playoffs, you can't arrest that in a hurry. Yes, that's very true. They 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 have lost form, and it's not at the right time as well. So that's, that's a worry for Pat Wisner. Um, I have been looking at them closely at Swift, and um, look, they even struggled. The only one they won in the last in the four or five weeks was against Brothers, and they nearly lost that when they just got home 20-30-16. Look, they're in the top four. That's what they've got to know, and they've got a second bite of the cherry. So they just got to regroup, start again. But like like I said. Not having the form going into the finals is not good. Plus, they do struggle with the big sides, you know. They like to win with Bill, the Mary's Mounties, they do struggle. They've always had that, that, that problem. That's what they need to overcome. And to that point, they've only had one win over a top three opponent out of six cracks this season, home and away. And that was the win over St Mary's 18-6 at Story Park at the back end of June, early July. That's got to be a concern for them, no doubt. They've got to get their halves sorted out in Travers and possibly Place. Is it going to be uh, someone else in the halves? Uh, they'll be perhaps hoping for Jerry Key to come back to stiffen their forward pack, but he looks like he'll be playing with the North Sydney Bears in their final series campaign. Curtis Johnston is a welcome uh, addition back with his experience, but who knows? On paper, they've got the side to do it. It just hasn't quite gelled. Maybe the style of football they played mid-season, which was hard, physical, tough defence, has worn them down. And they've run out of gas at the wrong end of the season. Yeah, they, I think they have. And um, they do get a lot of plays going up and down, I've noticed. And that's gotta, it's got to hurt the, the momentum of the side. We, you're not sticking with the same players. And, you know, like Curtis Johnson, he's been up and down from North Sydney, going down there. And the players have been there. They get dropped down to Sydney Shield and or they go back up again. And... Like I said, they're in the top four. We'll start, from, start from scratch again when the finals start and see how they go. The Guildford Owls are an interesting case study. By all reports, they left a lot of players out last Sunday when they went down uh, to Wentworthville in the, the, the second last round of the competition to lose their opportunity to perhaps set up a top four showdown finish with Asquith in the final round. The points differential is far too great. It's about 163 points heading into the last round on that was played on August 31 and September 1. So uh, they will have to start from the same position they started last year, fifth place where they were knocked out in week one of the finals. Hopefully Paul Fletcher has learned the lessons 
from that and can get his side firing again, heading into a finals campaign. Perhaps the last round match against Asquith will tell a lot of people where they're headed. Yeah, they are hot and cold, uh, Guildford. I went and saw them out at um, when they played uh, at Credit Park against the Mountains. They were very, very disappointing. They really missed Josh Lewis. Uh, he's been, you know, he's a key player, top point scorer, scored a lot of tries for him, proud for the tries. You know, big loss there. Is he, are they a one-man side without Josh Lewis then? Well, I think they are because once he hasn't been playing, they have been struggling. They struggled against that black town. You know, like I said, I saw him mounted. They were really, I mean, they lost 36-10. They should have lost by 50 points. Lost to when we're built, you know, all they have to do is, again, the same with Asquith. This weekend, they've just got to bounce back. You know, it's like, who wants to win between Asquith and Guildford this week? That's just going to be interesting. Um, Although there might be Ducks and Drakes. There might be Ducks and Drakes knowing that both sides, unless Guildford win by 80, and that may not or probably won't happen, although stranger things have happened in football yeah, in the I, past. I don't think. I think the top four is decided. But and, then that, and then that will mean that Guildford will more or less perhaps finish fifth. We then look at the two teams below them, Equal on points. Firstly, Western Suburbs. They've had the return of Darren Maroon. Very much, as I've mentioned a number of times this year, like Pat Wisner at Asquith 12 months ago. A late coaching appointment meant that he couldn't get a full pre-season in. He's managed to get some players across. A number of them have already left to go elsewhere. But a hard core have stayed. And that uh, Auburn Warriors mentality may still be there. When they played the Hills District Bulls, in the second last round, they were blitzed in the first half, but they got down and dirty in the second half. They managed to suck the Hills District Bulls in, and they won the second half, and that's probably the way they're going to have to win their finals matches, rolling the sleeves up and pushing the envelope, uh, starting with what promises to be a mouth-watering elimination final against Cabramatta. Well, like with West, I mean, they did say they lost. There was a bad loss with Hills. Um, they might have won the second half, but you've got to win the 80 minutes. That's all, that's all it comes down to. They were beaten by Cabramatta, struggled against uh, Glee Burwood, and then they there was a high-scoring game with St. Mary's. They haven't been informed with the Suburbs, but they do take on Penrith Brothers this week. Hopefully that's a big win. Bit of a momentum going into the playoffs. OK, they're a fine, they're probable opponent, Western Suburbs. And look, by the way, they've got the experience still of Adrian Hunganar, the Minutes, uh Kelsey Cokes. Omar Slamenkel, the, the Lebanese international out wide. They've got enough quality there to do some damage. We look at Cabramatta, and we know it's going to be Chris Yates' last year at the club. The dogs are barking. He's going to end up at Camden in the Group 6 competition in 2020 after being allegedly led up a garden path by some that Cabramatta were going to be in the Canterbury Cup. That hasn't eventuated, so Chris Yates has moved on. So there's going to be a... A bit of an element of doing it for Yatesy from Cabramatta in the final series. They looked good in their tough win over Asquith in the second last round. And they've got enough class with an Eddie Tuha, the Mr. Fixit, 5'8", fullback, winger, even hooker, and a hard-working forward pack led by Malachi Humer and Jordan Latham and Ely Alzakem, Jack Morris, who's played representative uh, uh, Ron Massey and New South Wales Pioneers level, the Gimpy product that they could do something if they can get past Wests in week one of the finals? Well, of course they can. Um, but look, Chris Yates is a great coach, and they have got the players. Um, they've shown they they've shown they can win the tough game. They're straight home against Mounties. They beat West. And then, like I said last week, they beat Ashford. They can win those tight games, and they can beat the good sides. 
It's just that, you know, if they can put it together on the day. All right. We then come to the last team that have made the eight. They've scraped in the Hills District Bulls. They had a bad patch in the middle of the year. They put all their eggs in the uh, Harry Saker basket. He left to go to take a job up in the mines. And that seems to have turned the corner for them. They found a halves combination in Joel Bradford, a local junior, joining Nick Holiday. Uh, Heath Lestrange, those uh, re-entry into the fray, been called out of retirement for the upteenth time, has been an absolute godsend for Mick Withers. And if Lestrange stays on the paddock and steers the side around, having publicly announced that this will definitely be his last year at the age of 34, well then... The Bulls could very well spring a surprise or two. They have been the form side of the the past month. Unbelievable. They looked gone. They absolutely looked gone about you know five weeks ago. Um, they you know they took St Mary's all the way there before going down thirty four twenty six. But then you know they beat you know Glebe Burwood, which wasn't a big surprise really. But then you know the wins over Western Suburbs and the way they beat Ashworth at Story Park. You know take, a lot of people have you know, they're sitting up and taking notice of this district. And um, they've got the bye this week. It is perfect for them as they go into the playoffs. Now, briefly, the three sides that didn't make it all have various stories. Blacktown Workers, Sea Eagles, even though they played this Sunday, need to beat St Mary's by over 120 points. That's not going to happen, which means they're not going to make the finals. Um, their season was too hot and cold. Sadly for the Glebe Burwood Wolves, they never quite recovered from the tragic way their 2018 season ended at the back end of a refereeing howler, five minutes from a grand final berth against the eventual Premiers in a preliminary final. And Penrith Brothers at least won three games this season, but they've still finished up with a second successive wooden spoon. Yeah, they have, they have been disappointed. But, you know, both both the, the teams, they've all played the matches. Uh, Blacktown workers, yeah, I, I expected to be more than them. Um, all they needed was one point. Even, even if the four and against was a bit better this week, would have been interesting because Steel's got the bye and it would have went down to how much, you know, Black came if they can win it by how many points. But now, like you said, 120 or so points, it's, it's impossible. And also get the St Mary's team, which is, you know, they're, they're looking forward to the minor premiership as well. Um, really, those three teams are missed out. Uh, very, you know, they will be disappointed. Glebe would expect them more from them, but they copped so much injuries this year. A lot of players left, and they, they had to call on a lot of the Sydney University players up in Sydney Shield. So it has been, been a big struggle for them. All right, so you've already stuck it out there. Um, week one of the finals will be split between St Mary's and Laybutt at Blacktown. We'll be out there on Triple H to cover a number of those games in week one, and then it follows the uh, the Yellow Brick Road for the remainder. Leichhardt week two, the uh, home of football, Congress Jubilee Oval in week three for the finals, and then Leichhardt Oval for the grand final Saturday, September 28. So you're saying it's a St Mary's Wentworthville grand final? A lot of people are saying that. But, yes, that's what I'm saying. But in rugby league, it's a funny game, you know. It's just luck on the day. On, on the day, you know, you just don't know. You, just look, you look at hills, you look at, you know, the likes of mounties. You just don't know who's going to perform, you know. And if you've got the right form and you haven't got injuries, anything can happen. But my tip, when we're filled, Let's have a look at the Sydney Shield. What an exciting final series, I think. This could be the most exciting final series of the three competitions. When you look at the form sides that and the form lines that have been taken in by a number of these teams who have qualified for the playoffs. Let's start with the minor premiers, Cabramatta. They won their first 15, then they hit a slump, but they 
got back into winning form against Asquith in the second last round. They've got a fairly, they've got a bit of size up front, but it's their mosquito fleet of Christian Papa, of Isaiah Panuve, Solomon Tomakino, Mu Do out of the heart, out of the acting hard position, which has really established the platform and the point scoring strike power to give Cabramatta this young Cabramatta side uh, the minor premiership. There was a clean out of older players at that level at the end of last season, instigated by Chris Yates, and it's paid dividends. The question mark, though, is whether this side can withstand the heat of finals footy. Well, like you said, they won the first 15 games. They're on fire, but they really have struggled. I mean, even last week, they just scraped home against that with um, 34-28. This week, they've got Sydney Uni, which they're probably expected to win, but mate, they can't take anything away from the university. You know, they can spring an upset there. The Caprabatter aren't going into the playoffs on form. I can tell you that. So they are struggling, and they need to. They need to beat Sydney University. They need to beat them well and get some momentum going into those into the first week of the playoffs. The positions two, three, and four are intriguing. They could be reshuffled on the last weekend of the regular season, being played August thirty-one, September one. But let's have a look at these three sides: St Mary's. Again, sneaking under the radar of a lot of people, but they've been consistent for most of the season. They have got a lot of points in them. They've got experience in Peter Betros up front. Dylan White's been a regular a revelation in the halves, and they've got some speedy outside backs. Jesse Abbott and Alan Newasila, uh, with the experience in the back row from past finals campaigns, they are not to be underestimated. Yeah, they, they, they have been playing well. Um, but even last week, I mean, they did they did just beat them um, Sydney University. They're twenty eight to eighteen. They're playing Moorbank, who are, are unpredictable. Now they top four sides, like you haven't mentioned these Campbelltown and Wright Eastwood. I mean, who do you want to play in the first week? You know, Cabramatta is in the form side at the moment. Do you want to play them instead of playing someone like East Campbelltown or Wright Eastwood, who, in my opinion, are the form sides in the last few weeks? along with one other, which we'll come to in a moment in the bottom half of the eight. Let's go to Ride Eastwood. They've been the revelation of the 2019 Sydney Shield. A lot of question marks. How are they going to stand up? They've come out of an A-grade competition. Well, they've answered everyone's questions and then some with interest. Seven wins on the bounce. It's the best form line of any side going in to the finals series. That's going into the final round of the competition. They've got structure, they've got a good forward pack, and then they've got speed to burn out wide. Tristan Evans-Soy with the 21 tries. Angelo Palambalana at fullback has been outstanding, and uh, they can score tries very quickly and burn you very quickly. And they can score a lot of points. So just talking about Tristan, he leads, he leads now. Uh, the top try scoring leads in Sydney Shield with 24 tries. So that's a great, fantastic... Um, achievement from him. And that leads all competitions, that 24 tries. That's right. And and um, the way he, the way they're going, I think there's a lot more points in the next few games as well for Ryder um, What about the lack of finals experience? Yes, they won a grand final in the A-grade competition last season, a Sydney-wide A-grade competition. But this is a level and a bit above that. That's going to be the key for them, that lack of finals experience uh, in weeks ahead. But they've also got some quality players there. I think you know, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think they've got a lot of players that have stuck together uh, with the same team, and I think that's going to be crucial. You know, and if, they, if there's no injuries, they're going to be hard to beat. Speaking of uh, teams sticking together, the defending Premier's East Campbelltown 
are in the top four again. You know what you're going to get with them. They've got the hardcore of experience of Shannon Gallant, Johnny Palumbo, the Lay brothers, Sean Connor in the halves, Mason Talalua. The names roll off the tongue. They've won three grand finals in the last six years, and they have carry that experience and bring that to the table. Don't underestimate Campbelltown. They're going to be very hard to beat, and I, you know, wouldn't be surprised if they're on grand final day. They've got it. Like you said, Shannon Gallant, they're scoring a lot of tries. They've got Theo Lido, a lot of players there, Craig Starker. And then you've got Edward Connor. He's on fire. You know, he's kicking them all over the park. And, you know, the fans, they, they seem to have the same squad. You know, they don't change a lot of it. And that's been the, the success, the secret to their success for the last few years. Let's have a look at the bottom half of the eight. Guildford made it to the grand final last year. They got lucky that their Ron Massey Cup side uh, were eliminated in week one. Guildford have played the Ducks and Drakes and got enough players qualified to drop back again if Guildford get knocked out in round one of the Massey Cup to drop back and start a run from the bottom half of the eight again. So they've laid down their stall. It worked for them 12 months ago. It could work for them again. And again, it's just that they've been a hot and cold side, Guildford, just like the Ron Massey Cup side. Um, it's just, they, they can score points, but they let in a lot of points as well. So it's just going to come down to, again, you know, if they can defend well, because they've let in 500 points. That's uh, that's almost, aside from the eighth place, out of those top seven sides, it's a lot. When you look at the Mary's, you know, 371 points, you've got Wrighties with 364, and they've got 500. You know, that's it's a big difference. So they, if the defence, is in order. They can definitely score the point. Let's have a look at the Smokey from the bottom half of the eight. There's no doubt who that is in the Sydney Shield this year. They've shaken the Sydney Shield competition in the last six weeks. The Moorbank Rams, they look to be gone. They look to be hot and cold. But perhaps they were planning this run of home games at the back end of the season. They've now won their last six and they've put sides to the sword, scoring 283 points and conceding just 60 Predominantly all at home, all at Hammondville in the last six weeks. But they found their 2018 form that got them to within an ace of a grand final berth. And they're the side no one wants to play in week one or two. I think you mentioned that as well. They've been playing at home and playing well. So away from home, it could be a different story. But, you know, they've got the momentum. They can score points. We've got Jaden uh, Stevens there on 23 tries. Uh, Jake Warner's also scoring a lot of points. They scored, you know, 707 points, uh, only beaten by uh, East Campbelltown. Sorry, that's 728 points. So that's it. They're the, they're the second highest scoring side. They can score. They can defend well. Uh, 237 points uh, on the for and against plus. So, like you said, they are smoky. If they're on form, uh, and whoever plays in that first week, they better watch out. It'll probably be Wentworth, Phil. New coach James Pastani has had an interesting year, first year with the clipboard. Um, there have been a lot of hot and cold rumours coming out of Wentworthville that their attitude hasn't been perhaps quite right. They've had a lot of injuries, a lot of unavailabilities, but they do have pride in the jumper, particularly in September, and that's why they need to be respected. And look, it'll be interesting. They went down to um, Guildford, um, 30-32. I'd like to see how they play against uh, Ride Eastwood this weekend, leading into the... the Playoffs, like um, you said, they will play more back, and they will finish in um, seventh spot because they even on their for and against they come um, defeat more back. It doesn't really matter anyway because they're playing in a neutral ground in the week one. So who knows how they're going to go with this week? Are they going to relax a bit? 
I think it's right. Eastwood now in the position won't change and then get ready for um, the following week when they take on the red-hot Moorback Ramside. And Asquith round out the top eight. They've been affected by injuries and unavailability up the line. The word out of Story Park is if, if they get all their players back, they can do some damage, but I think there's a few too many ifs for my liking. It is. It is. You know, look, they might scrape through and win the first week, but that's about it. I don't think they get past week two. You know, they can't make me my words, but there's just too many sides there, uh, quality sides there ahead of them that just got too much um, experience and too much points on the board. All right, then. Um, the others that didn't quite make it, the Hills District Bulls, Sydney University, Penrith Brothers and Belrose. Special mention to Belrose. I was hearing some word that they may not be coming back into the Sydney Shield in 2020, but you've heard otherwise in the last 72 hours. Yeah, we'll speak into uh, to Bill Ray's, um Actually, yesterday, you know, they're, they're keen on coming back. Of course, you know, it, it is hard to put a side on the on on the on the field, but they they're keen on coming back. The A grade side's playing in the grand final this weekend, so um, hopefully they can get a few of those players and they come back for 2020. Because you know, Bill Ray's, they have been aside from uh, this the last two years, they've made the finals and they've won a finish shield back in 2013 as well. Indeed. All right, quickly, your grand final tip. I think you've alluded to it already. Ride Eastwood possibly versus East Campbelltown? Yes, yes. And the only way is if these two meet, <laughs> if those two sides meet and one has to get eliminated before then, then uh, I would say to them if the Marys will be the ones that will come, will take one of their places. We can read all about it in Rugby League Review in coming months. There's another edition due out reasonably soon. You can get it at all good news agencies, the bad Greek ones, and also by subscription via the website at www.rugbyleaguereview.com www.rugbyleaguereview.com Terry Liberopoulos, I look forward to catching up with you during the final series. It should be a beauty. It will be a beauty and um, until next time, thanks for having me on. Indeed, that's Terry Liberopoulos. That rounds out another edition of Splinters. You can catch it on the podcast. Until we meet again next Tuesday night, this is Tony Dose and the Sultan for Splinters saying goodbye.